Welcome to Everyday Animism, a weekly podcast exploring all things animism, particularly how animism impacts everyday life. The podcast is hosted by Kelly Harrell, Brandis Schnabel, and Janet Roper. Let's dive in. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> how are you? I'm, I'm okay. How are you? Oh, it's been a day. Yeah. It's been a week. Hi Janet. there. Hi, Janet. Hi, Janet. How's everyone doing? We're doing. What is, when does Mercury, does it Mercury go retrograde like tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I usually notice it for about three or four days before, and then it actually kind of calms down. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. hoping that's what happens this time because the last couple of days have been a shit storm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Yeah. I hope that I hope this is the speed bump. Yeah. And we're Yeah. I think this is called the shadow of Mercury retrograde, isn't it? I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, it's like when everything's it kind of looks like everything's still and then it starts to look like it's going the other direction, right? Yeah. So like that eerie switching directions. And it's always so- a good re- reminder to slow down, you know, just take things more gradually, more calmly. Go with the flow. Yeah. I'd, I'd like it if that happened not in the form of my having to replace tires and uh, such. Well, like, different, like, not quite as literal. So. Understood. <laughs> um, so, this week, we have Q&A. Yay! Um, and I think we've identified at least three questions um, that we... Um, that weren't sort of a basic, what is animism? I think some people who saw the request for questions maybe weren't familiar with the podcast. So if there, um, if there's anyone just, you know, one wondering that main question of what is animism, I'd recommend taking a look at the first couple episodes. Um, and I mean, it's something that we're continuing to explore, but we did get a few questions that were, um, a little more specific. Uh, the the first one I was gonna. I, I mean, is there one that the two of you want to tackle first? You just pick it, Brandy. I'm fine with that. All right. So let's maybe let's just because uh, I think this is actually a little bit of follow up to something we've already discussed in a prior episode, which is can you be a Christian and also be an animist? And I'm gonna toss it at Kelly to start <laughs> off. <laughs> Is she catching is the question. <laughs> well, I think the short answer is yeah, sure. You can you can do whatever you want to do. You know, we're those people, we're in that era, you can do whatever you want to do. But I think you have to ask yourself some serious questions about how that overlap really works. Because part of the reason that Christianity rose is because it was a force that decided people were not capable of discerning their own divinity. And that is really the heart of animism. I mean, it doesn't have to be the heart of animism. It can be a little more scientific, you know, and and depending on what it means to you. But, But if you're coming at this from a spiritual perspective and we're talking about a religion, um, the core of Christianity was that the church was the body that positioned itself between you and divinity and really you and everything else. And it set the parameters, the rules, 
the um, restrictions for how you did good behavior and the punishments for what happened with bad behavior. And really all of that goes out the window with animism. So I think a better question is, you know, how do you examine or define your flavor of Christianity compared to its um, historic origins, compared to some of the more conservative avenues of it now, which are very much thinking that, you know, nature is our bitch, essentially, you know, and, and what does animism mean to you and where do those overlaps happen for you personally? Yeah, I like the distinction of, you know, you really have to kind of sort out what kind of Christian you are, because I, I don't think we can pretend that there's just one, even one right. or even less than a dozen versions of Christianity right now. Exactly. Some are super progressive and super um, liberal in, and I don't mean politically, but like in interpretation and in um, what's to be taken literally. Um, I, I've encountered people who interpret it very literally as just following the words of Christ and have mm-hmm. been kind of doing away with a lot of the old Testament and doing, and, and then there, you know, there's the, the other end of like very fundamentalist. And I mean, it's just, it's so much more complicated than I think it was even a few years ago in terms of what it means to be Christian. So it kind of depends on what kind of Christian you are. And if there's uh but I think the more, the more there's a, a very firm or rigid structure to it, and there's a lot of hierarchy, and there's a separateness, like you were saying mm-hmm. about, you know, the church being the, the conduit between you and a deity, all of those raise some issues with kind of how we've talked about animism in previous episodes. I agree with what both of you have said. And for me also, it's really getting to know yourself, who you are, what your values are. And the thing that, at least again, personally for me, that I would find difficult about it is if I'm asking that question and I'm in a church, who do I go to within the church that can give me some kind of um, across the board answer instead of one that has to do with a dogma? So it seems to be take on a lot of self-responsibility in answering that question. Well, that in and of itself, and depending on your Christianity is not a thing. Um, I mean, just in terms of like the answer, I mean, I, I think depending on how you define your Christianity and what it means to you and, you know, church and all that kind of thing, like the answer is an obvious no but I think that there's some nuance in recent years. I think how- so. Yeah. Um, I mean, and a lot of our discussion about animism has been this sort of balance of looking back at the, you know, sort of anthropological, ha- you know, how we were animists and how we can animism now. And mm-hmm. if you do that with Christianity, you're going to go all the way back to the Gnostics. And if you read much about them, which, you know, there's not a whole lot to read about them and that's not for no reason. Yep. Church, yeah, the church thought they were heretics and, and, you know, got rid of them, not just cut them out of the church, but, you know, got rid of them literally. So it isn't that there isn't an animistic potential in the church's origins. It's that that was cut out of how Christianity was brought forward. 
And so for some people, maybe going back to that would actually be helpful. Right. Well, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that's, uh, you know, and we're, we're, we're doing kind of, you know, abbreviated dives into, because we have three questions. So hopefully that answers some of that question. And if there's follow-up to that question, absolutely call in on Anchor, um, send us a message through the Tumblr site, or, you know, just contact any of the three of us um, if that doesn't really answer the exact question. Um, and then the second question I guess would be, and let me, let me read, I have it pulled up here. This has to do with intuition and kind of, um, I, I, I guess I'm putting intuition on it, but the question reads, how can you be certain you aren't impressing your decisions upon another entity in cases where you really desire a certain outcome, a particular outcome? And I think this question, I spoke to this person yesterday evening, we kind of talked about it. Uh, hi, Jamie. And we hi, were talking, hey, Jamie, <laughs> we were talking about, I think the, the question is, um, in animistic relationship, how do you engage in communication that you're sure is actual communication with that other entity, that that's real and not just you talking to yourself? Which I think that's a question that sort of transcends just animism, but a lot of, you know, new age discussion, a lot of um, in shamanism is, is shamanic journey real in I mean, I think even in, I, I think the, I think it's a bigger question of how do you know when you can trust your intuition? And it's kind of a loaded question. So I know I'm cramming it into like a short segment of the episode, but I'm, I'm sure there's more than one person that has that question in general. I get that question about three times a week, literally for like yeah. the last 20 years. That's, that's the question I get about three times a week. So yeah. Whenever people ask me that, it, it's, I mean, you're distilling it down to exactly what they're really asking, which is how do I trust my own intuition? And, you know, I'm like, I don't know, how do you? I mean, I know how I trust mine. And so how you trust your own intuition is a personally developed thing. And that's not something we're taught culturally. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's part of what got thrown out a long time ago. And so when they say, you know, how do I know if this is real or imagined, my immediate follow-up is compared to what? Like, what is your basis for what is real versus your basis for what is imagined? You really have to examine conceptually what those things mean to you. Yeah. And then and the next part of it is, is as you're saying, Brandy, you know, how do you listen to your intuition to start with? How do you know when somebody's walked up behind you? Right. I mean, that's, that's the real kind of sense that we're talking about. Like, are you aware? Do you have those kinds of feelings? What is going on in your body when that happens? And how, are, how do you interpret it? How do you trust it? Right. It's developing an ongoing lexicon with your own um, perceptions. Mm-hmm. And, and that's hard for a lot of people. A lot of people are really willing to gut themselves and think they're crazy before they believe something really weird just happened. And that's, that's where it starts. The, The exercise that I give people is to begin validating everything that happens to you, 
even if some part of you is like that absolutely did not just happen but some part of you just perceived it happening it doesn't matter it happened on some level right your, your ability to judge it after the fact has nothing to do with it just happened and even if something the exact opposite like the example that i give is if you look up and the sky is pink with green polka dots and the grass is blue with orange stars for a split second it really was that to your perception but if you look back and the sky is suddenly blue and white fluffy clouds and the grass is green, it's, it's that also. Those two things don't have to be weighed against each other. Mm -hmm. The both perceptions were real. And it's developing that kind of finesse and faith in your own intuition, in your own uh, perception that develops the confidence to be. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a fundamental issue, the issue of trusting self in general. And it, it, it transcends the conversation about just animism. Um, I talk about it in therapy all the time. Mm -hmm. And it really is about developing that sense of like, what are my body signals when I'm, when what I'm thinking is resonating with that deep intuitive part of me. Um, and I find that sometimes it's worth looking at, you know, if you ask um, if you ask a question, whether it's, you know, in a divinatory way, like you're, you know, pulling tarot cards or something, or if you're um, just asking yourself a question, um, it, you know, one of the things I look for is, do I always get the answer I want to get? Mm -hmm. And then um, do I, do I have body signals that feel sort of wrong in some way? Like, Am I, is the thing I say out loud as a result of that intention or question or whatever it is, um, do I feel like a settling inside after I've said it? Or do I feel something else that's maybe an indication that I'm saying what I want to hear? But, and ultimately that whole like, was it real or was it imaginary? Is that when it comes to animism, what's imaginary? Like mm -hmm. everything's real. Matter. Yeah. Right. Right every thought you come up with is its own entity and deserves respect for whatever it is. Um, so I think, yeah, looking, getting in touch with your body, um, looking to see if the answers you get are always what you predict they would be and what you want to hear. Cause that's sort of a sign that, yeah, maybe you're just telling yourself what you want to hear. Um, and I, I think the communication part of it is complicated too, because um, I think there's that question within that question as well of how do you communicate with other things that have agency, but don't talk like humans? And how do you trust that that is communication that's happening? And I think whatever is happening when you set out that intention is communication, at least in my experience. Well, it's not automatic. It's not like you just, well, okay, for somebody, somebody on the planet, this is all automatic. But for most of us, this takes practice. It's a right. relationship. I mean, you can't just throw yourself into the conversation that's been happening in your own yard without you for years and expect them to drop what they're doing and turn around and include you. So right. it isn't like you just say, I want to talk to this tree. Why isn't this tree talking back? How would I know if it wasn't? How do you know it hasn't been for five years? Right. And even right. that silence is in a way communication. 
It is. Because it's, it's like, if you don't get an immediate sense of an answer, perhaps you didn't ask it the way you need to ask it, or perhaps you've not paid respect that warrants an answer. It's really broadening our definition of what communication is and not limiting it to only um, vocalizing and talking as we are now. And I love what you said about, you know, the body signals, pay attention to what your body is saying. I love people say, yeah, but you know, it was only luck or it was only a lucky guess or, you know, it was just a coincidence, that kind of thing. But what if it wasn't? What if it really was that tree or that plant reaching out to you? And I think sometimes that it really helps to, for me anyway, bypass the brain and just go into my body. And what is my gut feeling? Mm -hmm. What is my throat feeling about this? And to ask specific parts of my body, you know, what are you feeling? And then that helps me to center in and to get out of my brain, which I spend a lot of time in. Yeah. And there, I mean, another exercise that's a good way to kind of get into that space of just letting the intuitive part of yourself talk or whatever you're wanting to communicate with talk is like auto writing where you're just writing stream, no thinking about it, just seeing what comes out. And I, I think that can be really impactful for some people sitting down and auto writing, which is basically just sitting down and writing without thinking. Also writing with a non-dominant hand. Right. Right. Non-dominant hand stream of consciousness, no thought to it whatsoever. Sometimes going back and looking at that after you've held an intention or, or just sat down and done it, you can kind of be surprised. I mean, it's kind of surprising and reading through it, recognizing your body's reaction to it. You know, there are a lot of different ways to, to learn, to trust yourself, but ultimately the, the answer to that question is to figure out what it feels like when your mind, your body, your soul, and the question are all in sync. That would be my quick answer. I did a Facebook Live maybe two months ago at the Soul Intent Arts page on how intuition and confidence are directly connected. And if you are not working on your confidence, it will be very hard to sit comfortably with your intuition. Absolutely. Agreed. So hopefully, hopefully that's uh, at least some of the answer to that question. Um, And if if any of you who are listening have, um, you know, alternative questions or alternative suggestions, feel free to send those our way as well. None of us are the the end say in any of this. Um, So the the third question, and I will read this one as well. says in a recent episode there was mention of the body being a separate agent from even the soul in that it feels to me as if you should not hold command over the body that you coexist alongside how does animism intersect that idea with simple things like tattoos piercings and more complex topics like trans like being transgender and medical transition and i would also add chronic illness into that as well because i know that's that's come up in conversation with um, some clients as well. So anybody want to tackle the first, take the first tackle at this? Well, I've worked with this one a lot, both personally and with clients who don't feel right in their bodies for whatever reason. Um, 
I, I think foremost to validate the questions um, assertion that the body has its own agency and has its own consciousness is is spot on. That's that's exactly right. And for me personally, I have to consult that with any matters of body when it comes to getting something pierced, getting a tattoo, um, surgery, even. I mean, I, I have to have these dialogues with my body and with the body part, not even just the body, but organs, um, you know, specific aspects of the body have their own mm -hmm. consciousness. And my body communicates really clearly that I don't have permission to inflict pain on it for adornment. Um, that comes from a history of self-harm as a young person, and it comes from a history of significant chronic illness that involves pain and just fatigue pretty much my entire young adulthood and adulthood now. And so my body has laid it down that I do not have permission to alter anything without having deep discourse about, you know, what, what the logic behind that is. And, and it, it's annoying. I mean, there, there are aspects of body modification that I really want to do and do not have the permission of my body to do it. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about bigger aspects, like um, feeling that the body you're in isn't the, the right body for other parts of you, other aspects of you feel mm -hmm. different than the representation of the body. Um, I've worked with people for whom there were, this is getting in, you know, into a more shamanic avenue than merely animistic, but mm -hmm. there, there are other aspects of the soul that can have deep say in how a person is expressing themselves in the physical body. And in a lot of cases, it's, it's that that is out of alignment with the body or, or somehow they're not all having the same conversation. It, it isn't even necessarily in or out of alignment that once everybody can feel like they have a seat at the table and have a voice, it isn't about whether the body is in agreement for you know, reassignment or some other aspect of change. It's about, does everybody feel like they have a voice at the table? Right. I, that's, um, that's kind of my thinking too, is especially when we're talking about, um, modifying the body so that it feels like the correct or right, or it's affirming something, um, that we're in major modifications, uh, you know, from my perspective. And, um, I think the clarifier there is the fact that the soul and the physical body are, you know, each entities unto themselves, does not mean that they're not in relationship. They're, they're actually very much in relationship and relationships involve negotiation. And, you know, what do you, you know, what does the soul need to stay in that body that maybe it doesn't have? And what does the body, what is the body able to endure in order for the soul to feel more at peace in the body? And I would also, you know, in those when it comes to chronic illness, I've had really interesting conversations with clients who are animists and, and had not really considered looking at the body and the soul in this way, or even the mind as another counterpart. 
um, and have been able to sort of reconcile the weight of being a caregiver um, because they are able to see their body as this other thing. Um, they're not solely defined by that body and they're in relationship with that body and they're in relation, a complicated relationship because that body doesn't work in a way that was expected or was hoped for or whatever that is. So it's in some ways I find that that can honor how being inhabiting a body that doesn't work in a way that you'd like it to is hard and it allows people to put to make space in their life for that job because it is a job um and but when it comes to talking about you know transgender individuals i almost think about that in terms of that when you feel a certain way and you feel that something needs changed that sometimes I think those thoughts can be generated by something that is shared by the body and the soul. Like, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily see that as like the soul has one idea, the mind has one idea, and then the body is over here like, well, this is what I am, so this is what I'm going to be. You know, sometimes that sense of this is not right or this needs to change or I need to be affirmed in a different way to me, that could be coming from multiple voices within us. So I don't necessarily individual with that. It's highly individual. Yeah. I mean, I I think it can be a deep inner knowing that's coming from the whole choir. Um, Or it can be a conversation if it isn't coming from the whole choir there, you know, there can be a sacred negotiating of that. I think this also ties into our earlier question about the intuition. Mm-hmm. and about being able to listen. Right. I think if there, and I think that's also a good a thing to look at, you know, in terms of trusting yourself, odds are if there was one of those entities within you that was um, deeply opposed to something, there would not be this deep ongoing. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, that's part of the process of seeking out that affirmation. And to what degree is that constant checking with yourself of what do you need on all the different levels? And all those different levels are different parts of you that, yes, each have their own agency and are their own entity. Um, but they've been living together for a long time. So they, they're kind of a posse as well. Um, and in the simpler, like, you know, in talking about adornments and that kind of thing, I will say um, I have typically had permission and sought permission for body modifications I've made at least in the past decade. Um, And I also find that it's important for me. I mean, I definitely view my body as my primary altar. And I, I don't know that that's true for everyone. But for me, I find it to be very sacred and important for me to wear a lot of my most sacred items. When I graduated from, uh, the intensive with Kelly shamanic training. Um, you know, the item that I purchased for myself at the end of that is something that I wear almost every day. Um, when I launched my practice, um, I, that's where the bee on my hand is from and it has an entire meaning and I have an ongoing relationship with that thing that I've placed on my body as well. And all of my adornments are that way. Um, I talk to my hair before I color it a new color every month. <laughs> At the hairdresser. I don't do it out loud because my hairdresser would probably be freaked out. 
but I do, I, I mean, I give it a heads up if anything. And I sometimes just say, Hey, I'm looking at this color, any objections. And I just look at that gut feeling of my hair doesn't literally talk back to me, but I trust. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Again, Mm -hmm. my hairdresser would probably freak out, but. When I got my first tattoo, I I was be the last person I ever thought that would get a tattoo. And so I went through this process of, part of me really wanting that tattoo on such a deep level and then the uh, mental part of me was going I don't get tattoos that's not me huh uh uh but what eventually happened was I became more uncomfortable with that part of me that was denying what the rest of my soul and my body wanted that I had no choice but to give in so to speak, or to acknowledge, at least acknowledge what they were telling me. And once I acknowledged it, there was like this big breath of relief that I wasn't fighting it anymore. It's like, okay, now we can go into the next step. Yeah. And I, I find that especially um, tattoo work, because it's sort of an extended, but very low level, you know, pain, depending on where you get a tattoo. I find that that process is a very, Um, acute grounding into my body that I don't always have in a conscious way day to day. So it's a very sacred, like sinking into my body and feeling it in a way that I don't get to. And then I am altering it, but by way of putting something that I find beautiful on it. And I find that there's something very sacred for me in honoring, you know, with permission, um, the body that carries me through this life um, by adorning it with something that I've talked over with it first. Um, So for me, it can be a deeply, deeply spiritual thing to alter the body. And I think even that concept does translate to the bigger things. Um, I mean, and that's, uh, we don't have to go from like tattoos to, to uh, gender affirming surgery. I mean, there are all these things in the middle of, you know, plastic surgery. Is it, I mean, is it inherently like you can't be an animist and alter your body that way? Um, Breast reduction. Uh, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of ways in which I think sometimes um, it's more complicated than just, well, my soul doesn't have have permission to change the body because we're two separate things and i think that that's underscored by saying there's no one answer to that question and there's no consistent answer one intention to the next like you know even just right not, not just one person to the next but but one component of you one instance of discomfort or need you know just a need has changed the intention one to the next is has to be examined individually. There's it's that it's more the emphasis of an organic, open, um, allowing. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's, isn't that just so inherent in all of the relationships that come into being and experiencing life animistically? It's, yeah. it is that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like we answered all three questions with a subjective, like, it depends. <laughs> and um, isn't that also very anim- very much animist? Right, because the, the it depends is it depends yeah. on you. 
It depends on the effort you put into the relationship. It depends on the openness you allow for the relationship to blossom. There, it's all about getting out and living it, engaging it, make the invitation and listen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's perfect. Yeah. Just depends, you know, and, and what relationships are in the equation. We all have different relationships with all of those things and we're all carrying around different bodies and yeah. So it's all one big, uh, go out and just do it and experience it because animism is experiential. And, um, that intuitive part is just when you feel an internal stillness that there's nothing stirred up, then maybe that's your sign. And if you're Christian, just Godspeed. You're going to have to figure that out yourself. So any anything else on any of their three questions? Other than thank you to everybody who submitted questions and yes. stimulated conversation and for listening and being supportive. And to also be gentle with yourself as you're going through this. Um, it takes time and it takes practice. And it takes patience. So be gentle and be kind. With yourself and with us. So if we didn't answer the question, feel free to bring the question back to the table and maybe see if there's a sub question in there that's still hanging or maybe see if that's really the question in the first place. Is there, is there a deeper question or a, a follow-up question? We love questions. So send them our way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh feedback wel- welcome um new questions welcome and um if you want us to you know we just spent you know roughly 10 11 minutes on each of these questions so if you want us to really expand and further unpack any of these three things feel free to send that request our way as well so thank you ladies thank, thank you. you this was fun it was fun to do like a handful of topics this week mm-hmm. that was, it was. different yeah Yeah, I hope we get some more handfuls because it was fun. All right, everybody have a good week. We'll see you next week. Take good care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you'd like more information on Kelly, Brandis, or Janet, or to listen to past episodes of our podcast, get some more information on our resource page, you can find all of those tidbits at everydayanimism.tumblr.com. See you next week.